Well, it's good to be here with you, and I know it's been a busy week, and uh, we're going to open up the Word of God to Proverbs chapter 24. Brother Aaron twice mentioned 8 o'clock as a finish time, and uh, you know what? I just feel at home. We had Emily over here on the piano, just like tour, and I don't have my tour CDs to promote, but uh, he, he mentioned, you know, just be like it was on tour, and so finish up quick. No, he didn't use those words, but... Uh, uh, Proverbs chapter 24, and we're going to look at verses 30 to 34. Proverbs 24, verses 30 to 34. And I'm going to get right into it. Proverbs 24, verses 30 to 34. Let's just stand one more time, and uh, I'll read these verses, and you'll follow along uh, as I read. I went by the field of the slothful, and by the vineyard of the man void of understanding. And lo, it was all grown over with thorns and nettles, had covered the face thereof, and the stone wall thereof was broken down. Then I saw and considered it well. I looked upon it and received instruction, yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall thy poverty come as one that traveleth, and thy want as an armed man. You know, when I read this passage of Scripture, I think of one word. It's not necessarily listed here, but I think of the word neglect. The word neglect. A few words that I notice here, we'll pray in just a minute and have a seat, but I see slothful, I see sleep, I see slumber. As you look at this passage in verse 30, the field of the slothful, the the vineyard of the man void of understanding, because of neglect, it was grown over with thorns and nettles, the wall. That vineyard was broken down. And as I look at this passage, I've entitled this message or this Bible study, I went by the field. I went by the field. Let's go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to stand before your people. And uh, Lord, I don't take it lightly. And we have spent time together today. And I thank you for your guiding hand. I pray for the Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts. Lord, if somebody here tonight does not know you, I pray that tonight they would say yes to you and they come to know you as their personal Savior. Lord, maybe tonight there's a reset button that needs to be uh, pushed. Maybe there's someone who is just on the verge of, of quitting and uh, some are discouraged maybe. Others may be just exhausted and tired from the week. I pray that you'd awaken us, help us to block out anything that is taking our attention off your word tonight. Give us, Lord, that which we need. We all have a need tonight. And please speak to our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Most of us can relate to maybe a place in your childhood where you went. It was, uh, it was new. Uh, it was beautiful. But then as time goes on, as the years pass on, maybe you've noticed that place that you had, you know, you had once been to. Uh, it was old. It was dilapidated. It was falling apart. A lot of times that's simply because of neglect. Of course, neglect is not also related to things in our secular world, but it can also be in our Christian world. Unfortunately, we've seen ministries through the years who were once centers of of soul winning and separation, but because of some bad decisions, because of letting the world creep in, they are no longer what they used to be, and in some cases, no longer in existence. But in other cases, if we're not careful, it could be you and I as individuals, as believers. We can get too casual in our Christian life. Several years ago, 
Uh, it was, if we have any college students, I hope that you won't disappoint me. It was in 1989. Thank you. Good. I'm glad that. 1989, I took a job at a hotel uh, the Days Inn. It, the building's still there, but it's no longer a Days Inn in Merrillville. And uh, I worked the 2 to 10 shift. And one night, you know, oftentimes every week we'd have business people come in, and they were regulars. And uh, one, one particular man, uh, just so you know, I didn't go there, but he was the owner of the sports bar in the area. Uh, just had to say that first. But uh, he was the owner of the sports bar. He said, he, he called me and he said, I've got a guest uh, that I need to check in for this evening. And uh, he said, do you have any rooms available? And I said, sure. Uh, can you give me the name of the guest? And uh, on the other end of the line, here's what he said. He goes, I've got Leon Spinks coming. Now, some of you might know who Leon Spinks is. Brother Moffitt, do you know who Leon Spinks is? All right, okay. Leon Spinks. I said, the Leon Spinks? He said, yes, the Leon Spinks. And I said, you know, what in the world does he want, want to do stay here at Days Inn? And uh, I found out the police brought him. And uh, <laughs> when he and his wife walked in, Leon Spinks, just, just so you know, uh, he was an Olympic gold medalist in 1976. He fought Muhammad Ali and, uh, for the world heavyweight title. And uh, I'll tell you a little bit more about him. When the police car came and pulled up to the front of the hotel, Leon Spinks and his wife uh, got out, and uh, he, he was a mess. And uh, his wife, I think she had a cream dress on, looked like she had wine or spaghetti sauce just all over the front of her dress, and they, they looked pretty rough. And uh, probably selfish motive, I said, can you sign this? You know, <laughs> the, the folio there for the hotel, sign for the room. He, drew it, he wrote an L in a line and an S in a line. That was pretty much all he could do. And they checked him in. He slept it off for the night. But you know, as I think about an individual like that, someone who, who literally won millions of dollars and I'm sure had endorsements and was well-known around the world at that time, but because of neglect in his life, he let drugs, he let alcohol uh, overtake him in his training. And how he got to the top, I don't know, but all that to say this, if we're not careful, you know, we've all heard of, of people who have been popular, who had fame, who had money, but because of neglect in their life, they let some things go. But again, if we're not careful in our Christian life, we too can be a casualty. And so this evening, how can I avoid the tragedies of a neglected life? We've already prayed, let's jump right on into it. First of all, I want you to look at verses 1 and 2 of Proverbs. We're just going to look at a few principles here. Proverbs chapter 24, look at verses 1 and 2. I'm going to give you five, uh, and, and some of you already looked up. Five? Usually it's three. And, uh, you know, <laughs> but I'm going to give you five very quick principles as we look at the subject that went by the field. How can we avoid a life of neglect? How can we be a fruitful and a vibrant Christian in our life. Look at verse 1 and 2. The Bible says, Be not thou envious against evil men, uh, neither desire to be with them, for their heart studieth destruction, and their lips talk of mischief. You know, there is nothing in this world that you're missing out on. You know, when we think about the secular world, we think about all the things that the devil has to offer. 
So many times, especially in the lives of our young people, they look at that life and think, man, I've got to go to church, and I've got to go to this and that, and man, I can't do that. And we often find that even as, as adults, we're looking over the fence thinking, man, if I just had this, it would make me happy. Or if I just had this opportunity, let me just say it one more time. The devil has nothing to offer that would be of benefit to you. And so you and I have all that we need in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. We need to be settled in his love. You know, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Be settled in the love of God. I think when difficulties come in our life and and hardships come, I think so many times that's the opportunity when the devil comes and he tries to whisper into your ear and into mine that God is not fair and God doesn't love you and he cares about others more than more, more than you. And, and often we buy into that. Let me just say this tonight. God is sovereign and all that happens in our Christian life, it's by the hand of God and God allows it and God has a purpose for every one of us in this Christian life. And be settled in His love. Be settled in the salvation that He's given you. Be settled in the fact that He is working all things out for His eternal good. 2 Corinthians 5.17, the Bible tells us, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Colossians 2.10 says, Ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. Philippians 2.13, the Bible says, For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. So number one, how can I be a vibrant Christian? How can I avoid being a casualty? How can I avoid a life of neglect? Number one, be settled in Him. Are you settled tonight in Him? Do you know what you got when you got saved? Do you know what you received when you got saved? You know, we could be here for forever praising the Lord and thanking God. We could be here all night when we think about, I got the availability of joy. I have the, the, the home, the promise of heaven. I've got a Savior who loves me and listens to me. I've got somebody who cares about me. I've got somebody who's, who's a healer. I've got somebody who is, listens to me. I've got somebody who understands me. Think about all that you received when you got saved. Be settled in Him. There's nothing better than being a Christian. We sing that song, Oh, it is wonderful to be a Christian. Oh, it is wonderful to be God's child. Oh, it is wonderful to have your sins forgiven. Think about that. Be settled in Him. The second thought is this, be searching for wisdom. Be searching for wisdom. Would you go with me to the same uh, proverb, 24, and verses 3 to 6. The Scripture says, Through wisdom is an house builded, and by understanding it is established. And by knowledge shall the chambers be filled with all precious and pleasant riches. A wise man is strong, yea, a man of knowledge increaseth strength. For by wise counsel thou, thou shalt make thy war, and in multitude of counselors there is safety. Be searching for wisdom. Let me ask you a question tonight. Who do we get counsel from? A lot of times we talk to our college students and we, we challenge them and, and we encourage them, hey, avoid those things that are, are off the beaten path. You know, pastor talks about don't be bored with the basics. So many times there's, there's a lot of avenues that we can go into. Maybe it's a radio program. Maybe it's a podcast or something on social media where, where maybe we, it's, a, it's a public figure that we get enamored with and all of a sudden we start to buy in and believe everything that that person is saying. Be searching, though, for wisdom. 
You know, there's a phrase that's often used in, in our world. We probably have heard it, but it's not always correct. And it's, the, and it's this phrase, experience is the best teacher. Experience is the best teacher, but I want to say this. You don't have to get hooked on drugs or alcohol to be aware of its devastation. And, uh, you know, so many times somebody, some people think, I've got experiences to know if it's right or wrong, and you don't have to do that. We live in a foolish society today. We live in a society that's, that's so uh, anti-God and doesn't want to hear anything about truth. And let me just ask that you look and uh, turn a few pages back and hold your place there in Proverbs 24. But take your Bible and look at Proverbs 8 just for a moment. Proverbs 8 and uh, just the first five verses. The Scripture says, Doth not wisdom cry, and understanding put forth her voice? She standeth in the top of high places, by the way, in the places of the paths. She crieth at the gates, at the entry of the city, and at the coming in at the doors. Unto you, O men, I call, and my voice is to the sons of man. O ye simple, understand wisdom, and ye fools be of an understanding heart. I'll just stop right there. You know, you can learn wisdom from a lot of different things, can't you? There was a neighborhood just uh, outside of the town uh, where our church started in Arizona, and it was a neighborhood that, if you ever want to talk about neglect, uh, it was just falling apart. And from time to time, we'd have people that we'd pick up and bring to church there, but most, most people didn't really want to have anything to do with the Lord. Very impoverished area, and sometimes I'd take my kids through there, and I'd point out kids, and you see this area. I don't know exactly why each home is the way it is, but kids, there are some reasons that I'm sure are, are accurate. Maybe sinful decisions, drugs, alcohol, immorality, uh, not willing to pay their bills. There's a lot of things, and so I began to try and teach my kids there's a reason for why you see things like this. You know, it brings me back to this thought that we can learn wisdom anywhere. And we can catch exactly what the Lord is trying to teach us. And so let me just say this, be in search or be searching for wisdom. Make it your life's mission to constantly be in, uh, in pursuit of wisdom because you'll need it all your life. The Scripture says in James 1.5, if any of you lack wisdom... Let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not. The Bible goes on, and, and, and it shall be given him. Proverbs 3.13 says, Happy is the man that findeth wisdom, and the man that getteth understanding. You know, I get wisdom from God's word, God's house, and God's man. Let me encourage you tonight, don't be embarrassed to seek help from godly people. Several years ago, uh, in my first ministry, it was in California. And I worked for a pastor, You've had, we've had him here, uh, Pastor Ezekiel Salazar. And after my wife and I were married, we stayed in the area here for about a year, and then we took off to that ministry in California. And uh, one of the first things that Brother Salazar told me uh, as a new staff member is this. He said, Brother Jess, you're new here. And uh, I've told this to all my assistant pastors. He said, don't ever get to the point in your Christian life where you have a problem and you're afraid to come talk to me. I think a lot of times, uh, he said, it's a lot of times as a staff member, if, 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 if a staff member has a problem or an issue, a struggle in their life, it's so easy to kind of conceal it because we don't want the preacher to know 
that we've got problems. And he said, Brother Jess, he said, I've often seen this happen where pride tells us to keep those problems hidden. And, but of course, they don't stay hidden for very long. And a lot of times they end in tragedy. And I just, I don't know who this is going to hit tonight, but I will say this. You know, we have a loving pastor, don't we? We have a, we have a shepherd who, and, and we have godly counselors all over uh, this ministry. And if you're going through difficulties in your life, the worst thing you can do is just kind of conceal that and hold that in. And, uh, and just, I don't want anybody to be disappointed in me. I don't want anybody to think ill of me or wrong of me or think less of me. On the contrary, I think if you went to uh, godly counselors, they would love you and help you and encourage you. And maybe that, that is hitting someone tonight. Maybe, maybe that's just for a few. I don't know. But I will say this, how can I avoid a neglected life? Number one, be settled in him. Number two, be searching for wisdom. Let's go to number three. Go to verse 10. Proverbs chapter 24 and verse 10. The Bible says, if thou faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. And then go to verse 16. The scripture says, for a just man falleth seven times and riseth up again, but the wicked fall into mischief. I want to give you this thought this evening. Be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord. How can I avoid a life of neglect? Number one, be settled in Him. Number two, be searching for wisdom. And then thirdly, be strong in the Lord. You know, adversity will come, and just men do fall. But the key is to get back up. There's a, there's a young man uh, that uh, said to me one time, and, and uh, he, he, he was just coming to church, he was new, and uh, he said, I'm just not like uh, all the people that are here in this church. I think he was seeing people come to church and family units coming and all dressed up and ready to go. And I said, just stop there for a second. Uh, I said, everyone you see, everyone has struggles in their Christian life. There's not a single family in our church that can say, we, we have nothing but uh, heaven and no one sins, uh, no kids back talk. Uh, you know, I mean, every, every family, every, everyone's got struggles. How many, would you, how many would say amen to that? And we do. But you know, what I said to him, I said, you know, the greatness of our church is that even though there are struggles in, in, in Christian life, in our, in our daily living, they keep on going. And they keep on going. And the challenges are there. And the obstacles are there. But they've learned to just keep on going. This church is, is, is full of of individuals who have gone through adversity, yet you keep on going. I want to praise the Lord for that. It's not you, is it? It's God that does that in us and helps us and, and gives us that grace to keep on going. So I want to give you this third thought. Be strong in the Lord. The Scripture says in Ephesians 6.10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. I can hear Brother Hiles' voice and a message that he preached years ago. You can do what you ought to do. And I don't know if you remember that or those words, but you know, tonight, let me just encourage you. You and I can do what we ought to do. We can live for the Lord and we can keep on going and we can keep on soul winning. We can keep on living separated. We can keep on going through the challenges of life. And so how do I avoid a life of neglect to be strong in the Lord? Let me encourage you tonight to take care of that inward man daily. Watch out for what you do in quiet times. Run to Jesus every day, but in times of discouragement, that's when we really need to run to Him. 
What do we run to? Who do we run to when things get difficult? Let me encourage you tonight to be strong in the Lord. Number four, I want you to look at verse 21 and 22. Verse 21 and 22. Look at what the Bible says here. It says, My son, fear thou the Lord and the king, and meddle not with them that are given to change. For their calamity shall rise suddenly, and who knoweth the ruin of them both? You know, it doesn't take rocket science to understand that times are changing. And over these last few years, my soul, uh, so many things are happening and, and, and changing in our world. But I will say this, those who stay steady on the course of life will only do so because they keep their eyes on Jesus. So here's the fourth thought. Be steady. Be steady. I love what Isaiah 26.3 says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. It was back in 2005 as a, as a pastor, and our church started in 2001 in Arizona. But a couple, uh, we were knocking on doors in a certain area, and a couple uh, uh, answered the door, and, and within a few weeks they came to church. And boy, when they came, uh, they locked in. And uh, such a sweet couple. But uh, they had some challenges in their home. He brought some kids into that, that situation. She brought her kids in that situation. They were living together. And I remember just a few weeks into their coming, uh, the lady said to me, she said, you know, Pastor, she said, we know we're not doing right. And we know we need to get married. And I, I can remember it like yesterday. We married him on December 25th, Christmas Day, 2005. And, uh, you know, um, they began to grow in the Lord. And they began to learn the blessing of obedience and tithing. And God, God really honored them and helped them. They had challenges all through, throughout their marriage and, and still today. But they began to grow in the Lord and come and help us in Sunday school. And he was ushering. And she was helping in different areas and going to conferences with my wife. And all oh, they began to grow. And their kids began to come and uh, grow as well. And, uh, you know, they moved from that house to another neighborhood. They got out of that little bit of a rough neighborhood into a better neighborhood. And a few, uh, few years after that, I went to that same neighborhood where we found them. And I, I knocked on the, next, uh, the, the house next door, and a lady came out, and she said, you know, I saw you over there, and, you know, they're not there anymore. I said, I know, I know. They moved over to this area. She was talking about that family that I just mentioned. And... Uh, I invited this lady and her husband to church. You know, they had come maybe a time or two. And uh, she said to me, our, she was referring to the next door neighbors that were once there. She said, are so-and-so, are they in your church? And I said, yeah, yeah, they're doing good. She looked at me and she, said, she asked this question. She goes, is it real? Is it real? Now, I'm not a mind reader. I really don't know exactly what she meant. But what I took away from that moment was she was asking, is it real for them? I mean, is it, is, is it really that good? Because I remember the way they used to be. I remember, <laughs> I remember how, that, how that family unit was going. And she asked, is it real? You know, it's been 10 years since I've been back to Arizona. And we were just there a week and a half ago on Sunday in, a church that, in the church that we started. And one of the first people to walk up and welcome us into our church service was that lady and her grandchildren, and one of her daughters. Her husband was sick that, 
that morning. We went and stopped by. 17 years later, is it real? The point, the reason why I bring that up is this. Although there were trials in their life and challenges, and my soul, they had so many, had, and still do, so many challenges. Steady, steady, steady. I have another example, but I, and I, I feel like I should share it. There was a door that I knocked on, and, and the lady came to the, the, uh, the door and introduced myself and was telling him about our church. And, and she said, well, my husband, he's, he's, in, uh, he's in Iraq, and, and it's, just, it's a huge home. It was just her by herself. And I think she kind of gave me the impression at that time she wasn't probably going to come until he got back. And so uh, I said, can I have your husband's name? I want to pray for him made it a habit to pray for anybody that was in, in, in the desert and serving. And, uh, and so I did, and I kept him on my prayer list. And one day they walked in the door, and I called him by name and because I, re- I recognized her, and I think she kind of thought, how did you remember? And I said, man, I've been praying for your husband all this time. You know, when they got in, they got in. They locked in. And he was back and forth into the desert and serving our, uh, our military one of the times he came back to stay, and by the way, uh, I would say this, when that lady got into church, she got into church. She went to everything, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Sunday school. She took part in everything, steady, steady. Not everyone's like that, but she remained steady. Here's what that husband said to me. He had come back from a little bit, for an extended leave. Maybe, I think he was in, 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 uh, in the States for about a, a month. And he said to me, he said, you know, Pastor, he said a lot of my friends, when they, when they got back from their tour, uh, they were met with divorce papers, homes were a mess. And he said, he said, Pastor, when I got home, he said, I found a home of peace and a wife who was at peace. And he said, man, I tell you what, he said, I, I, I'm so grateful for that. You know, it's not our doing, but it's the Lord's doing. You know, thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. You know, we, could, we can go all over the place looking for, for uh, contentment and satisfaction in this world, but there's no satisfaction like being in the center of God's will. And how do we avoid a life of neglect? Number one, be settled in him. Number two, be searching for wisdom. Thirdly, be strong in the Lord. And fourth, be steady. Here's the last thought. Go to verse 27. Verse 27. The Bible says, Prepare thy work without, and make fit for thyself in the field, and afterwards build thine house. Here's the last thought. Be serious. And this, by the way, isn't for just uh, college students or, or high school kids, but it's for all of us. Be serious about preparation. Be serious about your preparation. You know, the challenges of today are preparing you for the challenges for tomorrow. And be in practice today. Don't wait until tomorrow to get serious about what God has called you to do. Uh, John Wooden, who coached the UCLA Bruins, said this, the time to prepare isn't after you have been given the opportunity. It's long before that opportunity arises. Once the opportunity arrives, it's too late to prepare. I want to challenge you tonight. Whatever, you, you might say, well, look, Brother Jesse, at this stage of my life, you know, I've got more years behind me than ahead of me, but I want to say this, God is always 
He he always has something ahead of us. There's always something for every one of us to do. I love what Pastor says. We can't do with energy, do with urgency, but God has something for every one of us. And as those trials or whatever challenges, as opportunities come up, let me encourage you. Take those as opportunities that God is trying to prepare you for something. He is doing a great work. I went by the field. It was a field that was neglected. There were thorns. There were nettles. I went by the vineyard, the wall, because of neglect had been broken down. But I went by the field of those that were settled in the Lord. And although there were challenges, I saw that they found peace and contentment along the pathway of life because they found their joy in Christ. I went by the field of those that were searching for wisdom, and I saw that they were blessed because they chose the wisdom of God over the worldly influence in our culture. I went by the field of those that decided to be strong in the Lord, and I saw that they rose up victorious when they faced the battles of life. I went by the field of those that remained steady, and I saw them reap in due season because they did not faint when others chose a different course. I went by the field of those that were serious about their preparation, and I saw them rise up to fulfill the mission that God had called them to fulfill. How about you tonight? I want a life. I, I, I tell you, you know, life has its challenges, and, and there are many things that I have to do that you have to do. Many things on our plate. Our plate is full so many times. But let's never forget these lessons from the book of Proverbs. Let's avoid a life of neglect. And stay at it. Keep tilling that area. Keep working that area. Maybe it's a bus route. Keep working that bus route. Maybe it's an area uh, in which you're knocking on doors or a Sunday school class, your home, your ministry, whatever the case may be, keep working at it. Be diligent about all that God has given to us.